Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone. Today is January 11th, 2019. I'm your host, Tori. Uh, remember, you can uh, follow me or DM me on Twitter at Tori underscore says, or send me an email at Tori at Tori says.com, or follow me on Gab. So today we have a lot of things that we can talk about. Uh, We all know that I've been discussing things in regards to the Treasury, but I'm going to leave that for next week. Uh, I won't say much except for the fact that certain sanctions being requested to be lifted are not coincidental and um, because there will be developments on that front on Monday, I think it would be best that we talk about money. Uh, the U.S.-Mexican-Canadian agreement all on Tuesday. Uh, that's what I have planned for Tuesday. And I did ask for Joe Poole to call back so we could talk money. Uh, now, I thought today, being Friday, we just take a look at what our president has been telling us since this morning, which is important. So he sent his first tweet out uh, quite early this morning uh, talking about Um, Well, let me read you his tweet. He said, I often said during rallies with uh, little variation that Mexico will pay for the wall. We have just signed a great new trade deal with Mexico. It is billions of dollars a year better than that very bad NAFTA deal, which it replaces. The difference pays for the wall many times over. Now, Uh, This is important to state because one thing that we do see from the far left is them saying, well, he said Mexico's going to pay for the wall. Like, what did they expect? Mexico to write a check? They have a deficit with us. Uh, You know, it's, it's kind of we're getting to that point of pure stupidity and uh, statements. This agreement, parsing through it, because I've been parsing through it uh, and uh, getting opinions from other people, clarifying certain sections for me as well, because when I report things, I want to make sure I understand it before I talk about it. So, indeed, he's correct. This will pay it many times over. And speaking of the wall yesterday... Uh, During his meetings, I'd like to say, I have never in my life seen such a comfortable conversation. There was at one point where they even felt as comfortable as to joke with the president of the United States. And we have never seen that before. These are individuals that report to him, that came to him, explaining to him the border patrol situation, what situations occur, how it's necessary to have a wall. And they were joking, and it was great. Not only that, 
there was a specific portion in this um, discussion they had, and I'm, I've been trying to find the clip and parse out the exact time it happened. But it was pretty incredible, and I'll, and I'll get to it uh, after my uh, top-of-the-hour break for you guys. But it was at one point when, when one man said, well, you know, we arrested the guy and he went to, and President Trump said, was he prosecuted? Was, you know, did this happen? You know, did he go to jail? Was he sentenced? And the guy said, yeah, but you know, hand on the trigger. I'm not very convinced. He goes, I see. When did this happen? He's like just a year ago. So President Trump was like, okay, that was him telling him, I'm going to take a look into that. Because one thing we need to reinforce um, to ourselves, because I've been saying it, I think the whole world says it, who, who voted for President Trump, is that he actually listens to us. If you write him a letter, he's going to listen to you. If you tweet to him, he listens to you. Because remember, he's working for you. And that is just one slight indication of such that I wanted to point out. So the wall on top of that, (laughs) I just wanted to say it was really, really funny seeing Jim Acosta being like, oh, look how awesome it is at this border town. They have Whataburger. They have this. And he uh, was walking by the wall and then the fence section showing just how great and harmonious it is uh, to coexist at the border. And it's kind of like, yeah, of course, when there's a wall. And keep in mind that wall isn't uh, fortified and well enough because there is a video and I will tweet that out during the break where it shows a, um, a reporter from Azteca reporting about the border situation. And while the reporter is filming and talking about, Hey, this is the border. That's America. This is Mexico or whatever. Um, she finds on her camera, they detect people jumping the border with drugs on their back. So obviously that wall, specific wall is not that effective yet. It's at least peaceful in the fact that they're not all just walking through. It would have been fun to see Jim Acosta put his, um, time and his safety, um, on the line by going to an area that has no port of entry where, um, migrants can, um, move through the border freely and where he can just stake it out and see exactly what's going on. Because like him, Pelosi are peddling the idea that if we line the streets, uh, leading and the roadways leading to our port of entry, what do they want to put gold glitter? Like, what is it that it'll be better and safer and that's super confusing and super that's just the most unsubstantiated statement I've ever heard because we're not talking about the people that are coming through the border you know just to come by and go shopping you know because they do that uh people from San Diego cross the border to go buy goods in Mexico because they're cheaper it's not those people we're worried about it's not the people that are going for tourism it's not the people that are coming in through the border legally we're talking about the ones that put duct tape over kids and women's and boys mouths and transport them you know, through the border. They're not going to come through a point of entry. The guy wearing a backpack, um, you know, chalker block, a big block of heroin compact is not going to walk through or drive through the port of entry. 
They're not going to come through with weapons through the port of entry. They're going to go where there's no wall or a wall that they can scale, as you will see from the video that I tweet out. And um, they will go through everywhere where they cannot be detected. So let's be clear. This wall is imperative for our security. It's imperative to be able to define our sovereignty, but it's also our moral and humanitarian obligation to protect those vulnerable people that are being preyed upon and trafficked through our border. Even those kids that you'll see on the video um, were basically vulnerable. I mean, it's not like a 15-year-old kid will wake up and say, hey, I want to go traffic drugs today, right? It's all about our obligation to these vulnerable demographics that exist and how we can help them make it better. Now, there's a lot being said, uh, you know, in the media about that and um, pretty much uh, it seems that they're they're losing their argument, and uh, that's working in our favor, I guess. Let's continue with what the president tweeted about an hour after that tweet. He said, H-1B holders in the United States can rest assured that changes are soon coming, which will bring both simplicity and certainty to your stay, including a potential path to citizenship. We want to encourage talented and highly skilled people to pursue a career in the uh, career options in the United States. And that's, that's exceptional, right? Because that indicates that he's pro immigration. And I don't think people, well, the mainstream media is uh, putting that out. H1, um, H1B visas, right? Are, um, uh, are the ones that allow people like me who hire people from other countries, because like for my research, I had to hire people from other countries. Number one, let me just say, the only reason I did was because they were cheaper. So for example, if I was to hire under the Obama regulations, right? If I was to hire a nurse to work, um, she would cost me her salary, which would be 75 to a hundred thousand a year. But including with the taxes and the Obamacare mandates and all these other regulations, the price tag for her a year just for her is $215,000, you know, including unemployment and all these things, right? We're talking everything. But if I hired someone through an H-1B visa program under the Obama administration, they would actually cost me a net of minus $20,000. That means I would make $20,000 on every immigrant that I would bring in. Now, one would say, well, that's not fair. Yeah, it isn't. Because the way President Obama had set up these regulations, it was more favorable to outsource your company uh, to bring migrants because you got so much tax relief. So for every one American uh, nurse I would hire, One, you know, that wasn't. So that way, in the end, I was kind of just paying two. And that sounds super bad. You'd be like, America first. Yeah, well, when when you're being funded by private pockets and you're not a big firm, um, you kind of uh, give and take where you can. That's the reality. And that's what Donald Trump was talking about as candidate Trump. And now as President Trump is fixing it. But he is saying, 
that we have so many jobs and so many more are going to be created that we do want people that can contribute to our development, to our manufacturers, to our industries, to the technology that we have to drive and prosper our nation and propel us forward. They should be offered a simpler solution because you know what? A lot of employers hold the visa applications, uh, you know, the fact that they have a visa and it's sponsored over the heads of these people they hire. So the H-1B visas are always scared that if my employer, my university, my um, hospital, my, um, you know, lab, my, uh, you know, Verizon, whatever, whatever you want, whatever company sponsors migrants in, if they decide that they do not want to sponsor you or they don't need that tax break or right now, they're not getting the same tax breaks Obama gave them. They can fire them and owe them nothing. So he's telling these highly skilled people that have come to the United States to actually, you know, contribute. Those migrants that have built our America because we're not racist. It's, we're not saying we don't want immigrants because we're a nation built by immigrants, but we want immigrants that can contribute. It's kind of like in Australia. You can't just go there. There's a point system. What can you offer? Will you be mooching off of our government? They ask you these things. Same thing in England, everywhere. So we're going to be implementing that, but fairly, because unfortunately, truth be said, that H-1B visa holders are actually kind of, we could use the argument of, you know, women not getting paid as men as well. Because they could take advantage of them. And that's exactly what President Trump was saying about illegal migrants, too. These people are coming in, just a few of them. Because remember, out of a 1,000 that you will catch, 200 of them are legit just looking for a better life. Doesn't necessarily, and out of those 200, about maybe 50 qualify for asylum. Like actual asylum. Because, you know, to qualify as a refugee or an asylum seeker. And like Laura Loomer had pointed out on Wednesday on the show is the definition is that you go to your closest nation and apply. So let's just pretend maybe it's like 20 of them coming in from maybe Mexico or Guatemala, you know, well, it can't be Guatemala. It's got to be Mexico because it's neighboring or Canada asking for refuge. And that indeed that they're being persecuted by their government and legitly uh, scared for their life, right? They have to have a legitimate reason. You can't just say I'm claiming asylum. So think about it. That means another 970 people are just coming in. Uh, You know, uh, we've got maybe a hundred of those that are, you know, just people looking for a better life, right? On top of that. And then, so that means roughly what? 750 to 800 people that are coming here as criminals, uh, criminal organizations, bringing drugs, terrorists. And, you know, I've said this before when, uh, you know, this argument about the wall happened, you know, earlier on in the year. And I've been saying it during the campaign period that the migrants that are coming over the border are not all Mexican. And it was great that President Trump stated that because right now there's a caravan coming and guess what's on it? It's not you know, Central Americans, it's not Mexicans, it's Africans. These people, like I told you, can penetrate these nations of South, Central, and Mexico, South and Central America and Mexico a lot easier. They have more loose laws so they can land in, you know, I don't know, 
Colombia or Peru or Panama and then land there and then make their way up to our border. Whatever is easiest for their passport to enter and not require a full visa application. This is the reality. We've got people uh, from Pakistan, from Iran. We've got terrorists landing in South and Central America and Mexico looking to come to our border. And they are not, uh, Mrs. Pelosi, coming through any port of entry. And this is the real deal. The problem, the threat that we have is the real deal. Uh, I have to say that during the meeting when I watched it, aside from the fact that I saw that they were very relaxed and the president, um, you know, and them had a great conversation. And it's so good to see uh, a lot of government officials, local and our federal and our president, get along so well and be so on the same page. I have never seen that in my lifetime, ever. It was incredible to watch, but it was also incredible how they joked about, you know, President Trump was trying to find alternate avenues with these bordering states, flirting with the idea of providing uh, Texas the money directly and that they build it. But he said, you know, if you build it, it's not going to be as fast or as under budget as mine. And they joked, they're like, yeah, you're right. You'll probably do it faster and more under budget. But he's looking for alternative solutions rather than to call a state of national emergency. Because that entails a lot and he's not ready to pull that cord. He could have pulled it from day one and he didn't. And he has a reason for not doing it. I know all of us would love to see it. Because that would give more of a basis for us to pop a lot of, of, of these unsealed indictments and not have uh, a lot of communication on it. But there's a reason he's not doing it. We needed this shutdown. And today, actually, I realize there's another area that's really underreported that's being um, impacted by the shutdown. And I don't know if you guys knew this because for me, I was like, yeah, okay, non-essential employees. I get it. But I was looking into some OIG, um, uh, you know, that I filed with the OIG of HUD um, for investigations. And I wanted to see where we were at to see if there were any documents. You know, I wanted to go on the site and, and it shut down. And I'm thinking, whoa, that means all funding for anything that these, and remember, our senators and our congresspersons all have like these little titty bitty projects on the side, property projects that are affected by HUD being shut down. So here's another, you know, reason why they have their panties in a twist. Everyone's just shocked about Oh my gosh, people aren't getting their paycheck. Well, oh my gosh, look how many people came in. Hey, today's another day that the border's wide open. That's another 2,000 at least organized crime individuals coming in, terrorists coming in, children being bought and sold, women and men being bought and sold. All this is happening because you don't want to crack a deal because you want him to give in first and let you have money. So they're desperate. They have no money. None. And you know, I'm just saying, maybe this has to do with the fact that some legislators are like, hey, maybe we need to relieve sanctions from this Russian entity and this one. You know, everything, uh, everything they say, everything they do, and everything they are demanding has a method to it. And it has a reasoning behind it.
And we said this before, that if you look at their speech, you can like go to DuckDuckGo and put in Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, uh, rebuttal, presidential address, transcript, and pull up the document that comes up. And you will see that they not at one time offer you any numbers, statistics, or real reason why this board, why this border has to be open. Instead, they tell you why we need to open up the government. We need to stop the shutdown. We need to help these people, you know, and then the next day after that, they brought people who represented those areas they want to open. And it's curious because it's correctional facilities, but not the federally regulated ones, not the DHS employees themselves, but the contractors. And then they brought on TSA union guy who's, who's, who's overseeing everyone, but specifically he works with what the privately contracted ones, the ones that have been calling in sick, the ones that aren't turning up, the ones that aren't direct from DHS, which tells you what, wait a minute. Who do you have in the corrections divisions and TSA that you're so eager to get back to work? Because now we've got Cher talking about it. So obviously us having only, you know, customs and federal agents working at the airports, us having only federal employees turning up for work at Border Patrol, us having only federal employees turning up for immigration and customs and border and correctional facilities, something is up because they're all losing their mind. Cher told Pelosi, just give in, just let him have the wall and open up the government. Why? What is she losing? Remember, it was clear from Vice President Pence That so many of them, and I demonstrated that to you, can penetrate our most secure ports of entry, which is the airport. So this shutdown has pretty much disabled their ability to penetrate our airports because there isn't anyone they can buy, maybe. Just speculating here. They are going insane. So... They must be losing money from somewhere because the only way that you get a Democrat to respond or a superstar to respond is when you're hurting their pocket. Because to be honest, they don't care about you. Did you know that Pelosi, there was a law created about insider trading because of Pelosi? Do you know how much she owns in Visa? It'll make you think, hey, all these, you know, conservators of being cut off from being able to use credit cards and payment systems. Yet one of the biggest shareholders is who? Nancy Pelosi. All these conservatives are thinking, you know, Facebook is silencing us, but who are the biggest owners in Facebook? The Democrats and some Republican senators. Incredible, right? Because if you follow the money, Listen to what they say. You'll understand it has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with the people of America, and really not a lot to do with the immigrants either. They really don't care. They care about money. So now we have to sit back and think. The president can pull this anytime, but he's not pulling it. 
there are going to be people that are going to be left out without a paycheck. And there's um, actually, if you go to the HUD.gov site, they have links of how people can apply for unemployment. So they'll get some money. It won't be everything, but they'll get some money. And guess what? They'll get a big fat paycheck if they actually turn up to work and not find like alternative employment or whatever, sit at home. If they actually turn up to work, they'll get some real big fat paycheck and deal with it because the banks are willing to deal with them too because they've already announced that. So think about it. For all those crying out there that we need to reopen up the government and we can't have it shut down when it's not really affecting us. I mean, for me, it's kind of affecting me because I want to see where my investigation is, you know, because the offer of Office of the Inspector General is not receiving or um, sending out communications. And it's not essential, really, right? I mean, it's not like the crime that happened and the criminal things that happened are going to change. We already have everything we need, right? Because the government is working. You know, they're prosecuting criminals. It's civil cases that have slowed down. They're still working. Everything essential is there. TSA is still working. It's a little bit slower because we don't have the private contractors that have just been, you know, cleared to some level. Now we have just the really stronghold boys that have uh, all of the credentials. So in essence, this wall indicates the one thing that they don't want to stop, which is they, they don't want is our ability to define our sovereignty and um, shut down some very nefarious, lucrative industries. That's incredible. And just like President Trump and, and Vice President Pence said, this is political. This has nothing to do with what they want to do. And his tweets prove it. He's all about immigration. He wants to fix DACA. Where are they? They're just worried about this shutdown. So it means they're losing a lot of money. Well, it's already a break. I'll see you in a bit. Wow, that was fast. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 800 
800-800-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back. All right. I want us to just uh, listen to a clip of President Trump yesterday. Uh, Let me play this for us uh, down by the border. Here we go. I'm in Texas. We're at the southern border. We have incredible people. I'm surrounded by Border Patrol and ICE and law enforcement, and they have done an incredible job. But we all want to see a wall or a barrier because it's going to make their job a lot easier and actually they'll be even more effective than they already are. They're doing record-setting work, but it's hard and it's dangerous. We can save so many lives. We can save the drugs and the human trafficking and all of the things that pour into our country. It's so terrible when you look gangs, MS-13. It won't happen. They'll be helped so much. So I just want to thank everybody. You're incredible people. An incredible job you do, and we will be there for you. Everyone knows we need a barrier, we need a wall, whether it's steel or concrete, call it whatever you want, but we have to have it. It's common sense. It's very easy. We have to take the politics out of this, and we have to get down to business. The numbers will be incredible if we get it done, and we will get it done. One way or the other, we will get it done. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you, fellas. Thank you. I'm in Texas. We're at the southern border. Okay, so basically he said, we're going to get it done one way or another. And I've been looking for this Azteca thing. I know that um, Michael Moore, a true pundit, actually wrote an article about it, and he's embedded that video in there, where you can see um, people crossing borders illegally with drugs on their back. Uh, I am going to look for it. I'm, I'm, I'm scouring it because I guess it's being censored on Twitter, too, um, if it has certain words. And this is why it's encouraged to use memes. Uh, that's the importance of memes is because they can't use algorithms to discern what you're saying. So uh, 
keywords that they filter out. And that's how uh, Facebook works. And I'll have you know, ah, great. I was put in Facebook jail uh, for the first time for calling out Lutheran Social Services. And I didn't even say anything bad. Nothing was really against it. It was that they're, you know, bringing people in, they're fiddling with children. And uh, we had another one of those arrests and um, in Fargo of North Dakota, where a guy was um, brought in as a refugee uh, from Lutheran Social Services from Liberia into the United States. Just so happens he's related to another Liberian who's a site manager for Lutheran Social Services, but in Grand Forks. Now, here's the creepy part, and this is nationwide. They not only bring in these refugees, but they dabble in foster care and adoptions. They offer pregnancy services and adoptions, so basically taking in pregnant women and placing their babies. Are you catching my drift here? So anyway, I just said, yeah, I've been working on Fargo to, uh, you know, someone on Facebook. I've been working on Fargo um, in regards to Lutheran Social Services because this should crack wide open. This is an organization that is funded by federal and, st- and, and, and state money. And looking through their financials, they're funded by the public schools. They're funded by the local hospitals. Like, it's incredible. And then I found out today that there is an Islamic school of Fargo. And guess where they get their money from? Exactly. I don't even have to say it. So anyway, this guy who came in as a refugee was found to be in the presence of children under the age of 12. So why is he around children? Probably because he's watching the kids because that's what they do. They watch foster kids. They hold foster kids, adoptive kids, kids potential to adoption. So these are kids that are in limbo. Imagine being a child and not knowing where you're going to sleep that night because you're in foster care, where your next meal is going to come from, and who the people around you are. Imagine being a six, seven, eight-year-old little girl in some office with a lot of different people, people that speak funny because most of them have an accent. And, you know, you're just sitting there doing your thing. Well, apparently this creep has been for a while having these little children watch pornographic movies and then playing a game to reenact it. Right? How sick do you feel? Right? Super sick. This hasn't made national headlines to just show how disgusting it is because then you're going to be like, oh, you know, you're just saying it because he's a migrant. And it's like, I don't care what color polka dot he is to do something like that. It's disgusting. But my point here is, is that these are the types of people that they have been bringing into our country. Uh, These State and federal funded programs do not vet these people that come into our country correctly. And they also break the law continuously. And this is why me and Laura are teaming up and we are going to take 2019 and make sure that in every state that they operate, they stop. Because this has to stop. How does every single person in another state feel if they're funding an Islamic school of whatever city? 
I don't see us funding with federal or state money or my property taxes or income taxes funding any Jewish school or any Catholic school or any Orthodox school. But then why am I funding them? No one asked me. You can ask me when I file my taxes if I'd like to add some money for whatever ABC organization you like to push in front of me, but you cannot just take my tax money and do it. That's not the way it works. And not only that, you know, Ilhan Omar was brought into this country through this organization. And do you know that this federally funded organization, federally and state funded organization, in Minnesota, through a party for her uh, being elected as congresswoman. No joke. And, <laughs> you know, they're not supposed to. You can't have a federally funded party. And, uh, you know, as a federal employee or a federal entity, you are not allowed to indicate that you take sides. Pretty incredible. But, you know, that's another topic that usually we like to tackle on Wednesdays with Laura, right? And, um, there's many more people that are getting involved uh, in this. Uh, well, they have been involved. Okay, I'm giving a heads up for a couple years. We've had very big uh, individuals investigating this with me. So it's all about to come forward because this is the time to do it. Because we don't just have a problem with the border. The border is a big problem because we can't even quantify what's coming in, what's going out, nothing. But imagine with these federally funded programs where we can quantify how many they bring. In the state of North Dakota, they bring about a 1,000 people a year. That's not a lot, right? But there's 50 states, and in the bigger states, they bring even more people. I mean, think about it. In Minnesota, how many do they bring? About ten to 50,000. So it's like that wide of a range. What? What? So if Minneapolis, Minnesota, I guess, is bringing that many, imagine bigger cities, how many they're bringing in. You know, this is, this is immigration too. But this is immigration you pay for and I pay for. This is immigration where they send one of their dudes or one of their relatives is already here and then they're just like, Oh, can you bring my cousin? Because this is exactly what happened in North Dakota. Bring my cousin from Liberia. And that's how they work. They start the paperwork. They fill it out. They bring them over. And you know what? They buy them cars. They put them in housing. They find them jobs. You know. And none of these are refugees. Which begs to question. You know, aside from an open border where we can't quantify aside from the fact that we know that they try to penetrate, you know, the, the most locked down ports of entry, like our airports. Imagine how many are coming through sea. Imagine how many are coming through federally taxpayer backed program. This is just one of the companies, right? There's tons of these, but Lutheran social services hides under the guise of Christianity and the Lutheran church, which if I was a Lutheran, I would be pissed. I would be very angry that this organization that has corporations and businesses, so they've got for-profit stuff too, right? They're making money off of this. 
Because they buy the houses that they rent to these refugees and the rent that the refugees have to pay are being paid by tax money. So if they're paying rent to a company that's owned by them, then what does that mean? They're just funneling back funds to their pockets. So the federal government says, here's $600 for XYZ to pay his rent. And then you give that $600 to XYZ for his rent. XYZ pays his rent, but you get it on the other end. So basically they're just lining their pockets. This is organized immigration, criminally organized immigration. And the thing is, is they make their financials look so complicated that it can t- like just looking at their 990 forms that I pulled up on their website. I was thinking, what? Why are they giving you 20,000 a year? What? Who else is paying this? How is this happening? And there's no justification. Then when you try to ask for their actual IRS filing, you cannot get it. They stymie you and you're like, no, you can't do that, man. You're federally and state funded. You better give it to me. And they don't even respond. You know, throughout my few years investigating this organization, not just in the state that I'm at now, because when I started this investigation on this company, I didn't even live in the state of North Dakota. So, you know, I, they are everywhere. Look it up. You probably have them in yours. I mean, North Dakota, remember, has only 700,000 people. Just pay attention. But they have over eight facilities in the state of North Dakota. How is that even possible? That's incredible, isn't it? Just think about it. Why do you have so many facilities, so many satellite offices? And how do you have so many corporations where you've set it up, where you take back the money? You, you think about it, guys. They've got their nonprofit front, and then they have their corporation that's for profit, and that's called LLS Housing Incorporated of whatever city that they have the housing in. And so you've got them applying for, you know, Omar to get money for his rent. Omar gets the money for his rent and then just pays it back to them through their corporation because they're all linked. They're all the same. So they're making money off of bringing. This is a industry. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It's an industry. And if you start looking at an open border as a very lucrative industry, here they are doing it right under our noses. I am not a forensic accountant by any means, yet you can see exactly the crimes they're committing. And yet you would like to think that us shutting the border down And putting up a wall isn't going to hurt pockets. It's hurting already. Too much attention there. Nobody wants to come. We are killing their business. Kind of like if for some reason our president is listening to this show right now and says, wait a minute, what's going on with Lutheran services? Let's suspend all funds to them right now. Just so we can get a check. Because you know what? Tory's on that too. Requesting for a federal audit, a federal audit, not the state, a federal one, not to the state department that runs it because they're just as dirty. A federal audit from the office of the inspector general to see how they're circling in a circular fashion, putting money back into their pockets. 
If he did that, do you know what would happen? We would start again. Racist, Islamophobe, right? Because, you know, they're bringing Muslims and they're bringing people from other countries. So you're a xenophobe. No, that's not it. They are just bringing them in to make money. And the sooner someone realizes that it has nothing to do with being kind, has nothing. And you know what? Out of the 10 people they bring, half of, the, you know, 0.5 of a person. So let's say one, let's round it up. One person is probably a legit refugee because you got to have the legit stories, right? You can't perpetuate a fraud without having the legit there, right? So they got the legit ones there too. How much do you want to make a bet that the minute that comes out, people are going to be screaming racism, xenophobia, Islamophobia. But the matter of fact is you'll tell them, no, it's not that. It's that they're skimming money. They're taking federal funds, giving it to these people, and then cycling it back to their pockets. Why can't people understand that? That's pretty simple. And the minute you say it, you get everyone come down on you from legal, from your state. They will come at you like nobody's business. Cause guess what? They're making money off of it too. Do you know how much money your state makes just by letting them operate because you're supposedly bringing in refugees? Do you know how much your human and health services is making by delegating foster services to them? Tons. They get more funding. And the people that talk about it are the ones that are torn down. This is where we see disgusting, nasty narratives coming out. Racist, liar, fraud. You know, uh, what else are they going to say? Xenophobe, Islamophobe. They'll just use any ism at the end. And then, you know, at the bottom line is people sometimes don't even look at the people talking. Look at the person telling you about unity and love and no walls. Pelosi who owns most of Visa, has an immense amount of stock in Facebook, who has walls built like crazy around her house, who her husband was caught inside her trading with some solar company. These are crooks. Or you have the guy sitting in his lawn chair that has criminal convictions for drugs that is now a CI and is told you're going to do this and you're going to make it legit and you're going to get a lot of people rallied up behind you to believe whatever we tell you, you need to peddle. Or some people that are doing it because they're promised something. How many people do you think actually advocate for the crap that comes out of these corrupt individuals are not going to get something in the end? How do you know they're not going to get this loan that they wanted? Or uh, get some other benefit. That's the way it usually works. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And you know, when you're a loser and you sit on a lawn chair all day and all you do is nothing, absolutely zero and mooch off the government, an opportunity like that could look pretty huge. Uh, We are being attacked and our president is standing in the way. And I think even yesterday's show, uh, that I had in the matrix, so amazing. I love talking to these guys, shady groove. And you know what? I'll do more of those because what people need to realize is, uh, truth is truth. No matter where it comes from, if it's coming from a Chan board, YouTube, your neighbor on a Facebook post on Twitter, when it's coming from a person that is pointing out hard reality, hard connections, hard facts. If you're the one refusing to see it, uh, 
then you're the one that doesn't understand how things work. And so you're the one that attacks it. And this includes conservative voices. You know, there's so many of these alternative media places and, um, you know, conservative media outlets, you know, that I've written for a few too, right? That have lost the plot because they, like the left, you know, focus on the clicks and the money and don't focus on doing what's right, doing their duty as patriots and standing up no matter what people say to them. Because it takes a lot of guts, like even people like Praying Medic to come out, put their face on there and start talking about this because out of the 10 people that show support, there's going to be a hundred right behind them, slandering you, talking about you, manufacturing things about you. Everyone gets hate. Everybody hates the truth. And I was sent a really cool picture. I think I tweeted it out this morning, which is from a person that has, uh, you know, been smeared and tainted throughout time. We all know Cheryl Atkinson and, uh, you know, all these cases that she's filing. She said, the New York Times bestselling author of Stonewall smear how shady political operatives, shady political operatives and fake news control what you see, what you think and how you vote. And I'll um, tell you that this morning I saw that, too. Uh, I commented on a post from my uh, one of my local newspapers, and I was very critical of someone, did not use any profanity. I was pretty straightforward and said, you know, this is actually going through the court. Guys, they deleted the comment. This is censoring speech all the time. They delete these comments because if you point out facts and tell them, why aren't you reporting? Oh, that's right. Because they feed you. This is where we need to get with all of these kind of like they're attacking Tucker, like red lobsters, like, yeah, we're not going to fund him anymore. All right, then red lobster, then we won't eat there. And any, you know, any company that is funding these fake news outlets, these people that are causing this division, this confusion in our nation, we should tell them, hey, if you're going to be advertising with them, you know, we're not going to pay. Because remember, it's us, the voters, that have the money because we're the consumers, right? So you need to make them hurt where it is in the pocket, just like the president's doing right now with the shutdown. Because both ways they get hurt. They either take the hit of the lucrative industry that they have on the border or they take the hit from alternate avenues they have that are being blocked by this shutdown. So all of us can make a difference. There is not one person out there listening to this at this moment that can't do something. You can't. You have a choice to do something. You can either call up the company that's advertising. You can either stop buying at that company and make them hurt. And you could say something because that's something that, 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 that the men yesterday that I had on my show were telling you Q is doing. Yet look at what's happening to Q. Everyone's crazy who follows Q. Everyone's a conspiracy theorist. But everything that he's been saying is pretty much what I've been saying and other real conservative journalists have been saying. We have all the information. How is it confusing? Well, turn off the TV. We already know what's going on. We already have it. They're in panic. 
Now, in the second half of the show, what I want to talk about is Pompeo's speech. And then I want to talk a little bit about Mueller and Barr, because a lot of people have asked about that. So I will have my phone lines on. They will be on for the whole hour next hour. So you can call into and ask questions on 215-TOP-TALK. I would love to have a conversation with you. And let's talk about those things. That's what I want to talk about. What we're doing. Oh, and then I'll give you an update of what's going on in Europe, too. I mean, I can actually summarize that before this break. Uh, okay. So we know that France has the yellow jacket, you know, they're upset, not so much about the taxes, but the legalization of, you know, child marriages, the pedophilia going on, the uncontrollable immigration, the, um, pretty much numbing of their culture. You know, it's wrong to be French. You have to be neutral. Everybody's got to be, you know, vanilla and they're tired of it. And on top of that, they're taxing the crap out of them. So they're revolting and we have the Germans joining in on the same. But guess what happened today about seven hours ago? Merkel was going to be arriving in Greece and there is a huge protest like where they're coming into arms with cops, you know, to say she should not be in here. We do not want Merkel. We do not want the EU. We do not want the IMF. And if you remember in 2015, the country of Greece actually voted to get out of the EU with a 62 percent vote and the prime minister of Greece went to Europe and you can't make this up right you can't make it up told them what the Greek people wanted and then they went into a side meeting where it was the IMF chick Merkel and the prime minister and Juncker so these four people entered into a meeting room that lasted 17 hours reporters were sleeping on chairs outside of the meeting room 17 hours what was going on for 17 hours because they started the meeting in the afternoon and it didn't end until the next afternoon think about it guys 17 hours have you ever heard of something like that what adult would sit and meet for 17 hours with Lagarde of the IMF, Merkel, and Juncker? And when he emerges after 17 hours, guess what he said? Oh, we're remaining in the EU and we'll accept whatever the IMF says. And that was exactly the opposite of what the Greeks had voted for. And that was the time... That was the year that Greece forfeited their sovereignty. You know, basically that's why they wanted out. They didn't want to forfeit their sovereignty. So now it's getting crazy in Europe. They're literally on fire. They're causing chaos, turmoil everywhere they go. And I 100% agree with the French, with the Germans, with everyone out there. I feel so sorry for them because unfortunately they were like the left is here. Thinking everything is benign, thinking everything is, you know, manufactured or conspiracy theory. And look where they are now. Incredible. So remember, after this break, we'll um, get together.
Welcome back host, have a great show. Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Filtered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone. And like I said, in the second half hour, um, I will be taking calls, and I've made sure that my call volume is actually quite high, too, uh, to ensure that all our listeners are heard. Again, the number is 215 Top Talk. If you'd like to call in with any questions, I think I got this operating correctly today again. So let's start with just listening a little bit um, of the beginning of um, Secretary of State Pompeo's uh, statement in Cairo. Here we go. To Frank Richard, thank you for your service to America as well, in addition to the duties that you perform here. Uh, I've had the good fortune to be a frequent visitor here to Egypt. Uh, and the Middle East as Secretary of State. In my prior role as CIA Director, I was here with some frequency, and I came here, too, as a member of Congress. Every time I come, I get to see something new, uh, something wonderful. Uh, This trip is especially meaningful for me as an evangelical Christian coming so soon after the Coptic Church's Christmas celebrations. um, This is an important time. Uh, We're all children of Abraham. Christians, Muslims, Jews. Uh, In my office, I keep a Bible open on my desk to remind me of God and his word uh, and the truth. And it's the truth, lowercase t, uh, that I'm here to talk about today. Wait, before we go further on to that, I just want to say something, a really good fun fact about Islam. In Egypt, there is a historical Christian church, the first church actually built by apostles, uh, well, founded by apostles, and it's actually called St. Catherine's. Well, in that church, there is a handprint that has been embedded into the wall of that church. And that handprint is from Muhammad. And he declared that specific church sacred ground. I just thought I'd point that out to you, that Muhammad considered that Christian church sacred ground. Now let's continue listening to Mike Pompeo. I thought I'd throw that fun fact out for you. It is a truth that isn't often spoken in this part of the world, but because I'm a military man by training, I'll be very blunt and direct today. America is a force for good in the Middle East. We need to acknowledge that truth because if we don't, we make bad choices now and in the future. 
And our choices, the choices we make today, have consequences for nations and for millions and millions of people, for our safety, for our economic prosperity, for our personal freedoms, and those of our children. And there's no more appropriate place than where I'm standing today to have this discussion at the American University here in beautiful Cairo. As Frank said, this year marks 100 years since the founding of this institution. And the AUC is more than just uh, a university. It is an important symbol of America's friendship with Egypt and what binds our people together. Together, we've created a modern place of learning in the midst of an ancient civilization with its own rich history of artists, poets, and intellectuals. Egypt has always been a land of striving. And yet, times, your aspirations, and those of your brethren in the Middle East have seemed impossible to achieve. These lands witnessed convulsions from Tunis to Tehran as old systems crumbled and new ones struggled to emerge. That's happened here too. And at this critical moment, America, your longtime friend, was absent too much. Why? Because our leaders gravely misread our history and your historical moment. These fundamental misunderstandings set forth in this city in 2009 adversely affected the lives of hundreds of millions of people in Egypt and all across the region. Ooh. Remember. Remember. It's because people that have worked, remembered, listened, in 2009 that misconstrued what our nation stands for and did not deliver the message correctly to our fellow Egyptians. Let's, this is really good. You have to just listen to his words because they tell you a lot. He had to reinforce that we are a force for good because to the Middle East, we were always not there for reasons of good. This is how they received it. And that's because it's business as normal. Let's continue. It was here, here in this city, that another American stood before you. He told you that radical Islamist terrorism does not stem from an ideology. He told you that... Uh, he told you that 9-11 led my country to abandon its ideals, particularly in the Middle East. Wow. He told you that the United States and the Muslim world... Okay, let me just step in here. He told you he's referring to Barack Hussein Obama, because this is what he did. He caused further tension. Just, just listen further. He needed, quote, a new beginning, end of quote. The results of these misjudgments have been dire. In falsely seeing ourselves as a force for what ails the Middle East, we were timid in asserting ourselves when the times and our partners demanded it. We grossly underestimated the tenacity and viciousness of radical Islamism, a debauched strain of the faith that seeks to upend every other form of worship or governance. Again, remember... Radical Islamism. So I'm going to stop it there so that we can discuss this because me and Laura touched upon this, how different it is. Because remember, she said care 
has been deemed a terrorist organization by the UAE. Arabs themselves, people that subscribe to Islam and even Sharia law have said that these guys are radicals. And if you remember, I've told you why Turkey is excluded, uh, you know, playing with nations, right? I've told you this before because they, they do not line up with the ideologies and the practice of Islam uh, for the majority of the Muslim nations. Uh, they uh, understand that, you know, God tells them to do this and God tells them to do that in their Quran, but they never exercised it because as civilizations, we grow kind of like the Bible says you can sell your daughter for cows. Nobody does that. Because we evolve as a civilization, just like many Arab nations have. So Islamic um, terrorism and radicals is real. And for the, the terminology that they use in the Middle East is translated as fanatics, right? Like people that literally foam at the mouth if things don't happen that way. Radicals, kind of like the left. They're radical, right? So this is why Turkey doesn't play because none of them consider them proper Muslims. And then they can't match with the West at all because their ideologies stand in that the West is evil and we need to take over. So they haven't found a balance to coexist on this planet because to coexist, you can think whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. You can pray however you want, as long as you don't impose it on people that you have no right to impose it on. Right? So like I've said before, Muslims can pray. You can be a Muslim. Do your thing. But the minute you try to impose your religion on me by altering my laws, my values, the foundations of my nation, and how I operate, like as a business, you tell me I'm not allowed to have pork. Well, that's where, you know, that's not going to fly, especially in America especially in America. And for some reason, just like Secretary Pompeo said, this was not acknowledged. We are a force of good in the Middle East. We should be, that is. We want to be friends with them. But this apologetic stance, this uh, bowing down to everyone, this uh, ISIS isn't really that bad, it's just an ideology, and it's no big deal, is a problem. I mean, he cited Obama's Cairo address. When he said that the September 11 attacks led to, uh, led to us to act contrary to our traditions and our ideals. What do you mean contrary? You mean calling out radical Islam, which is a fact? You mean calling out terrorists, which is a fact? You mean that you use 9-11, you know, not him specifically, but Bush, and then he perpetuated it to take away our freedoms. People will give up. Every ounce of freedom they have in the name of security. If they feel that they are safe, if they feel that um, by forfeiting that right, that they get more out of it in regards to security, they will forfeit it. So it was all fear mongering. So, you know, what Nancy and Chuck Schumer said, President Trump is using fear. No, he's using facts. You're the one using fear and you've got nothing left to say on that. Pompeo also said, 
that um, he was uh, referring to, you know, uh, questions about Trump's, you know, decision to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria. And, um, you know, he kind of tried to balance it um, on how to answer. And the way he took it is that uh, he would that we are working with local partners to dismantle the Islamic State's physical caliphate and prevent um, Assad from reclaiming, I would say, uh, I wouldn't say significant territory. Um, So basically what he was trying to say is we're we're undergoing the process of removing our troops from Syria because that war there is none of our business. Yes, we have helped fully eradicate ISIS on the fact that we stopped paying them and sending them money. Remember that because they need money to buy weapons. They need weapons, right? So ever since Obama left office, did you see how quick ISIS is just disappearing because they have no money? The remnants of ISIS and their reestablishment in South America, because we heard Bolsonaro talk about this. We also heard the Venezuelan uh, government talk about this and the Argentinian government talk about this, that Hamas and all these other ISIS cells are literally coming to South America to penetrate our borders. So now the Democrats, after having funded them to execute business objectives, which had to do with those pipelines that we've talked about. And for those of you that are new to my show, you can look back on previous shows. We've been talking about Turkey, uh, the Iran, Oman, Yemen, pipelines, and how Syria, this war has nothing to do with Assad's a dictator, Assad's doing this. It's all about um, gaining control of Syria to build a pipeline from Qatar to Syria that will circumvent Europe's dependency on Russia for oil and gas. Basically, that's what they're trying to do. That is the bottom line of what is going on in Syria. And the president of the United States rightfully said it's not our war. And this is why Russia is helping Assad. They don't have some secret ancient pact in blood or, you know, they're not bros or anything and they don't kick it. He's in there because if they do take down that country, then he is not going to be selling oil and gas to Europe. He's not in there for charity. I mean, if anyone thinks that anyone will go to war for someone because they're nice, they've got to be really, really doffed to even think that you've got to be thick as bricks to just assume oh we're just going in there because you know we want to be nice no it's because we have interests i mean look at the heroin explosion and the opioid epidemic and you know it makes you think just speculating here right speculating pharmaceutical companies started to pump out a lot of opioids you know in the past what 10 years to make opioids, you need poppy, right? You need that heroin. You need, you need the opioid. And where have we been at war? Yeah, in Afghanistan. And like Joe Poole said, we've been funding Afghanistan since 2004. Because we're taking their heroin. So that way our pharmaceutical companies, our manufacturers can peddle it in a legal way. I mean... Why grow the drugs when you know they're illegal when you could go and steal them? I mean, 
That's what bullies do. That's what people with a lot of money and a lot of clout do. They're not going to ask. They're going to take. They're not going to be kind about it. They're going to take. And, you know, um, I'm pretty proud and I'm pretty excited the fact that, um, you know, now our president is investigating this whole Afghanistan situation. So anyway, Pompeo, um, you know, talked about the withdrawal uh, and he um, he asked, you know, would the Russians or the Chinese come to your rescue in the same way that we have? He asked them, do you think the Russians or the Chinese would come to you to help you if you were in need? He was saying that to the Egyptians. And the question you have to ask yourself is, no, I don't think so, unless they had an interest, Right. And we do have interests in Egypt. We have investments in Egypt. Remember, you have to look at your senators and congressmen and look at their portfolios. Look where they invest. You know, look at your richest senators. You know, they're not all Democrats. We've got some slimy Republicans that are making money, tons of money, but you have to see where they're investing. And this is the stuff that they report because, you know, the offshore stuff like in Guernsey, Panama Papers, you know, Switzerland, which by the way, the president is not attending that meeting. And that's super interesting. Super interesting that he's not going to go to that globalist meeting in Switzerland, but he's going to stay here and deal with the wall, which tells you a lot, but we'll talk about that next week because it's too early. I know I like to talk ahead, um, but it's way too early to talk about that. But think about it. You have to see where these people are investing, where they're putting their money, because that's what drives their vote. Nothing else drives their vote. If if they have money in it and they've got skin in the game, you know they're there. And that's why Pompeo said it. Come on, the U.S. has a lot of investments here. It's not like we're not going to come and rescue you, which is true. We have interest in Egypt. And on top of that, we need Egypt to be at peace because they are a, a massive exporter. They have gold, right? They have a good industry. I mean, these are partners that we need to have. Now, um, we know that uh, John Bolton um, appeared to kind of put new stipulations about, uh, you know, the exit uh, from Syria, um, about American, you know, people that are partnering with us on the ground. And, um, of course, Turkey. Uh, Erdogan is really upset, um, who thinks that the Syrian Kurdish fighters are terrorists, um, even though they're, you know, helping the U.S. attack ISIS. And think, and all the papers are reporting this, that Turkey says that these, you know, Syrian slash Kurdish um, people that are helping the United States take down whatever other cells that are big and active uh, for ISIS um, are actually terrorists. And yeah, it's terrorists to them because Turkey knows that there's a problem if they don't have that pipeline. You know, Turkey is upset. And remember, Turkey commits crimes daily from their border where Kurdish people are being killed on a daily basis because Kurdish people are viewed as nomads. And this is a a general sense in that area. Iraq had the same, you know, sense. Saddam would treat them as such and he'd let them kind of uh, nomadically reside like gypsies in the northern part of Iraq. This is fact. 
the, these are politics that someone just looking at it doesn't really understand. So I'm hoping I'm parsing it. And I love it when you guys uh, comment and feedback because I want to help and simplify this because I'm, I've lived through that. I've, I've been closer to this. So I understand the geopolitics in the area, but it's just so you understand, you know, the Iraqis during Saddam's time, the Kurdish people were being killed like they were nothing by Saddam when they committed crimes because they were considered like moochers on the Iraqi people. And he kind of let them hang out on the Northern Territory because they were never afforded borders because they were never dominant in that sense. Kind of like the Israelis were never given, uh, you know, the Jews were never given borders until they demanded it after they were slaughtered by Hitler. So the Kurds, uh, I believe, and I foresee in the next decade will be receiving some borders um, and negotiating borders because in fact, they're you know, they've been victim of a genocide and, and we don't even realize it. Uh, you know, Kurds are being shifted left and right and considered nomads. They are. Uh, they, uh, they are entitled to parts of Turkey. They are entitled to parts of Iraq, you know, and they are treated as such. So just to summarize, what's going on in the Middle East right now is peace talks. It's us trying to get out of it and allocating uh, the duties to eradicate radical Islam to the nations where it derives from. It's, it's, it's key, it's important, and it plays into what is going to be happening in 2019. Because uh, we need to understand that with the shift in our economy that we are going to see, the minute our president, and I believe he's going to do this after 2020 with his re-election, um, because a global collapse in economy, I don't think he would be able to uh, stymie, you know, be open. He doesn't have the clout yet with the far left. And, you know, obviously the media won't peddle it to state that this was necessary. No one's going to give a crash course in finances uh, over the television to advise or educate citizens to understand what moving into a gold-backed dollar means. So unless we have some really good progress this year before the elections of 2020, I don't foresee us getting into the gold-backed currency. But considering that we've had uh, Kim Jong-un in North Korea four times, and you know, remember, this guy hasn't left his country in like forever, where visibly that is, okay? Or maybe he hasn't. But they're in negotiations, and we're going to be – we're still talking with China. And I think uh, later on this year, maybe in the spring, we might see a meeting with President Trump and Kim Jong-un. They need to get together uh, to talk about these things. And I believe that the Middle East will probably come into those conversations uh, because Pakistan and India will probably partake. Uh as said, and as we've witnessed, the president has been doing a lot of work in the background, taking care of countries that have been contributed, uh, contributing constantly to this um, radical Islam, to this takedown of America, to this apologetic stance, to this opening of borders, to this globalization idea. And we're not seeing them just uh, changing their tone, but we're seeing them shift uh, by arresting these people. Um, 
So I'm getting a lot of messages about the economy, so that's great. So what I'll do is in the next hour, I'll tell you something pretty amazing. You know, the World Bank, well, President Trump gets to pick the president of the World Bank, and that's a really big deal. That's why I'm saying that, you know, we might wait till 2020 to go into the gold back, um, you know, after the elections, unless we have developments. And we'll talk more about that. I'll elaborate on that. And thank you for the questions that I've been getting on Twitter. Um, I really appreciate them. Uh, yes. And someone uh, texted and said that um, uh, that he said that it's not a coincidence that many other American universities like the one that thrive in the Middle East from Beirut. Um, these are symbols of America's innate greatness and goodness and hopes for you and the better future we desire for our nations in the Middle East. Now, when he's referring to the universities, you have to keep in mind these are American universities, American schools that offer the opportunity for the students that attend these schools to come into our country with a H-1B visas. And maybe we can say it's not really a coincidence that President Trump encouraged and and stated that he will make uh, the path, maybe it's, you know, lock and step here, uh, that H-1B visa holders that come over here, you know, sponsored from employers because they get internships, you know, from these foreign American universities, um, they get internships within the United States to work in the United States. So making that... Um, actual process simpler for them uh, gives them the idea that they will be able to migrate to America and and live the American dream as migrants. Uh, and I think that was reinforced with his tweet. So that uh, statement actually provided a, a proof of the president being lock in step with um, uh, Secretary Pompeo, which is pretty incredible, right? I mean, we expect it, but, um, <laughs> you know, what can we say, right? It's pretty incredible when you have a team that works together. We haven't seen that in a very long time because even in the Reagan administration, we all loved Reagan, but we have to all be honest with ourselves. He wasn't president other than the first three months until he was shot. After that, it was Bush that took the reins. Bush is a three-term president. We need to face reality on that one. That's that's the actual reality of what transpired. That Bush took over. Um, okay, yes. And Bill Barr, Mueller. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about World Bank after this break. And yes, because I know Bill Barr and the Mueller situation is something that I know very well. Um, yeah, let's, let's visit that um, after the break for sure. So, okay, World Bank. Do you know who was the president? The president of the World Bank was actually Chinese. And he just immediately stepped down. And now our president has to vote him in. So after the break, I'll let you know what the process about that is and um, talk about Bill Barr and Mueller. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. 
How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961 Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Okay, welcome back to the last half hour of this show where I said that we will talk about the World Bank. So I want you all to know that the president of the World Bank had three and a half, he was uh, supposed to be leaving um, this second term in 2022. He's Chinese, um, he was the president of the World Bank Group, um, and I just want to point out that the World Bank um, – operates uh, 666 millions of thousands of dollars or 66 billion, however you want to say it. Um, And it's literally owned by countries. They have percentages. For example, the United States owns 16% of that bank. You know, kind of like the Federal Reserve, and I should talk about that actually, because I think yesterday a lot of questions uh, were going around about Federal Reserve has nothing to do. We've talked about it on my show, but yeah, like the Federal Reserve, this is more of a private type banking, but 
It is owned by governments, okay? Whereas the Federal Reserve, and I just want to discern the differences, has nothing to do with the U.S. government, nothing to do anything. It's owned by people like you and me can own it. And just so you know, rather than look into the history, because it's very sketchy how they describe it, go and, uh, you know, to DuckDuckGo and find videos of people being told they're not allowed to record on the property of the Federal Reserve reserve because it's considered private property. You know, you are allowed to record on federal property, you know, on sidewalks or inside, unless, you know, it's like a national security issue, right? Um, Well, this person wasn't, there's a lot of people that have done it to prove their point, that even their sidewalks or their parking lots are considered private property. This is a private bank. It's like Wells Fargo. It's only called Federal Reserve. Um, And it's very misleading on purpose. So anyway, the World Bank is just like that. Um, It's a private bank, but it's owned by by countries. We own 16%. China owns like uh, 4 percent 5%. And countries like even Nigeria have stakes in it. They own like, I think, 0.68%. So everyone is a shareholder. Well, a lot of people are. And what the World Bank does is fund projects. And we talked about the World Bank because I told you they're the ones that approve the pipelines. They fund it, right? They put it forward. The project is submitted and they decide to lend the money. Well, they don't. They have the promissory note go through the IMF. But, you know, that's a little bit more complicated the way it happens happens because they give them the money and then the IMF buys the debt. So then they own the country that has it through debt because remember the IMF trades in debt. That's a little bit more complicated, but I, you know, should be factual even though it's complicated. So the World Bank decides what things are funded. Now it's always been the case that since the United States is one of the largest shareholders of the World Bank, that they can put in a nominee and almost always uh, the nominee is elected. So, you know, you'll see people like the Washington Post saying, not really, not like Trump is going to pick it, but kind of usually is. That's the way it usually is. Uh, there's not been a time where there couldn't be. And the scary thing is, is that these people that come into the World Bank uh, that have been nominated uh, in the past don't necessarily have financial experience. And you don't even have to look past Donald Trump's, you know, friends and circle of friends who have oodles and oodles and oodles of banking experience. And one would think that the United States would want to have choice uh, in a uh, World Bank president because we want someone who's America first, who's whatever country first, that understands and aligns with the values that our president has. We need someone in that bank that's not going to say, great, if we fund this, it'll take us one step closer to eradicating borders and doing this and destroying this country and destroying this economy. We don't need that. We need someone that says, what is fair? You know, in the end, if the World Bank uh, dissipates and breaks relations, I'd be totally game with that too. We should never be having joint accounts with other people anyway and other countries that may not align with our values. Uh, that's for sure. But... um what I wanted to say is that he has a long list on his Rolodex, if you're that old, or in his phone, uh, that have oodles of experience in banking. So considering and comparing with other uh, nominees, even Kim himself that just stepped down all of a sudden while we're in the midst of chit-chatting with China, and I'm just uh, trying to hint it here, uh, 
they've never put someone forward with experience that's insane. Uh, Trump can. He, he knows people and he associates with people that have really good, uh, I would say, knowledge and abilities and uh, comprehension uh, of global and international money markets. Uh, so I'd be really excited to see it. But what we're seeing is, is that the banks of our country, right? Because we need the World Bank to support us if we're going to a gold-backed dollar, right? If we need a gold-backed dollar, we need to be in bed with the World Bank and they need to be be in bed. Be favorable to what we say that, hey, guess what? This bank needs to like shut down because we're going into gold currency and it's not going to work, guys. We just need to like figure it out. So... We need someone that understands money, understands how to dissolve a bank. That's where I'm going to. I believe that we need someone to dissolve a bank. And because the Bank of America is the Bank of America, they already know what our president is planning. The whole deep state knows it. They know he is moving away from IOUs of this private Federal Reserve, which literally issues IOUs. Everything in your pocket is an IOU. It's as good as a credit card. Only thing is, it's a credit card of the people that own the Federal Reserve, right? It's credit on their name, not on yours. So they know that he's shifting. They know because you can't just print money one day. You got to plan on it. And of course, people are being put in motion. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. So they already know. So guess what? They are being one of the harshest critics. Our actual big banks, even the Bank of America, are saying, no, he shouldn't pick it. No, 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 no. Even though it should Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank, JP Morgan, all of them are like, no, 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 no. Trump can't pick it. No, he can't. Washington Post will tell you that. CNBC will tell you that. Uh, you know, everyone's saying maybe he won't pick it. Maybe he will because he probably will. What they're concerned about is that four days ago, this guy just totally resigned out of the blue with no warning. And what they do know is, is that President Trump and President Xi have a really good relationship. And like I said, that's a very important relationship to have because China is one of the biggest threats, not just to us, but to the rest of the world. And, you know, aside from these globalists, these elitists, this D.C. mafia headquarters that they have who think they know better, who think that if they have the numbers that they would win, because let me tell you something, when you forcefully and trick someone right? Forcefully, or if you trick someone to be your slave, because that's basically what they've been doing to us. We've been forfeiting our rights. We've been just giving in and giving in and pretty much enslaving ourselves, right? Voluntarily. When it comes down to it, that they will be the ones attacked, we're probably going to side with China and fall under communism a lot more likely to happen than us fighting for them against China. That's for sure. No one would fight for them. So anyway, China is a big threat. President Trump is talking to them and suddenly the World Bank CEO resigns. No questions, no ifs, no buts. Yet we're having a lot of chit chat with China, right? Total coincidence? No. Like I've said before, in order to destroy the caliphate of this DC swamp, these globalists, these 
nefarious, luciferian, nasty people who think you and I are worth nothing. You have to stop the funding to them. President Trump has stopped any funding he could get his hands on. Our treasury is nice and fat. And so what remains is any allied relationships or any access to backdoor funding. I mean, look at Hillary. She can't fill a room. Nobody's going to see Obama. Why would they? Why would you go see a man who sold it to the world that he was married to a woman who sat there and apologized for America, funded ISIS, funded terrorists, paid for programs to bring them into our country, scare us by allowing attacks to happen? I mean, under his presidency, we saw more domestic death to singular or, you know, domestic terrorism than any other president. Why would anyone go see him? So now we go to William Barr and Mueller, right? Because that's my forte. I know these guys like nobody's business. I see a lot of people, you know, kind of saying, oh, William Barr, and, you know, he's going to come in, and Mueller knows that William Barr knows him, and I don't think it's a bad idea. Okay, let me just state my opinion because I'm never here to tell you what to think. I'm telling you to think. See it this way. Mueller, right? I've told you this before. I wrote about it before. Um, Mueller was selected. He was pre-selected during that conversation that no one's talking about that happened between President Barack Hussein Obama, the intelligence community, the FBI, Loretta Lynch, you name it. They were in it with Chief Justice Roberts, where they wanted the chief justice of the Supreme Court to stop this inauguration. They discussed it. And the chief justice told them, the only way you're going to stop it, right? The only way you're going to stop it is if you let him swear in and start a secondary investigation. Because once he's in there, if you don't start a special investigation and you can't get this to fly and the people don't fall behind you, you better clean your mess up because you are in a lot of trouble. But here's the thing. We already have everything they're erasing. We already have all the information. You know, we're crying about we don't have the messages between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. You know, they deleted them. We actually have them, but we have to play like, hey, this is what they're doing because we need to expose the fact that they deleted them. And you know that they're feverishly deleting, eradicating information through what? Our Treasury, USAID, State Department, previous administration records, previous presidential records. You name it, they're in that area and they are delete, 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 erase. And guess who's helping? It's Mueller, of course. Under the, you know, the cloak of I'm investigating, he's just gotten free reign to go wherever he wants. To issue these national security letters, these special counsel letters, and just penetrate and penetrate and penetrate. So how do you remedy that? 
You remedy that by slotting people into investigation, making them targets, bringing them in so they could start saying, hey, there's something over there and there's something over here. Kind of, you know, like what General Flynn is doing. Now, and, and, and everyone that is being dragged into the investigation, because who knows, you might be called the next day or me, and we get in there. Maybe we know where one body is buried or one contract was done or what country they did something in that, you know, isn't even documented. Maybe it's like a meme. Maybe it's hidden in a picture. You know, that's how you hide things. You code it in a picture and then you have to decode the picture to see the document. You know, stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of cyber soldiers out there. So think, Mueller was placed to mitigate the circumstance. Mueller is in there and he has absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. But yet we're, we're letting him perpetuate this. Yeah, of course we are. We have to see where he's going. Hello. He's hired all the dirty lawyers, all the dirty FBI agents, all the dirty CIA agents. And among them are people like you and me that are patriots that they accidentally didn't know were patriots. And we are following every move they make. And it's documented. So William Barr, as we know, is one of the most shadiest CIA characters because the minute he got out of uh, college, he rolled into the CIA and started working uh, for Bush. Um, Bush was um, the one that actually recruited him too. So he did a lot of work. Guess where? Iran. China. He worked really closely with Clapper too. Um, and Brennan. And, um, he was the cleanup guy. He was, uh, you know, the fixer, uh, for the Bush administration. Ah, yes, I forgot. It's called the Reagan administration. Uh, but we all know, like I said, Bush was a three-term president. So anyway, um, so it was under, uh, Bush 41's, uh, guide. So he was his fixer. Barr was the fixer. Those are the dirtiest of dirtiest agents you will see. The fixers. He was the one that was sitting and sipping drinks in Costa Rica with Noriega. He was the one where they were having a conversation, yo, where my money? With Noriega, they were trying to figure out which one of their partners was skimming $100 million. It turned out that it was coming from Arkansas, from Clinton, and Bill Barr gave him the heads up too. And then they nailed Barry Seal for it and uh, Noriega for it. And, you know, Noriega was, was alive, you know, for a while, you know. Maybe one day I'll tell you guys about my trip to Panama a few years ago. Maybe, maybe. But the thing is, what we need to understand is that even though he's dirty and everyone's coming up with like, oh, look, um, he's uh, friends with um, Mueller. Uh, they go to church together. The wives are in Bible study together. And you'd be like, wow, they actually pray. These people have people that pray for them. Um, I hope the wives are legit on this because these are people that have destroyed our country 10 times over. But um, these people are close to each other. And it's actual fact that if you're proximal to people, it's more possible that you run in the same circles. Uh, but how close? I don't know. Right. But let's just put it on that. So a lot of people think that Bill Barr is being slotted in and being pushed by the deep state. So that way he can help Mueller because he's reinforced to Lindsey Graham that, um, uh, you know, Mueller can do a great job. And remember, what have I told you about Lindsey Graham? I don't like Lindsey Graham. I don't trust Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is not a good guy. 
He's from South Carolina. I don't trust anyone coming out of South Carolina. So Lindsey Graham told us this. So (laughs) that should tell you everything you know. Because Lindsey Graham is the one that let the deep state know why we don't need Kavanaugh. Remember, he's the one that brought up the tribunals. He was the one supposedly supporting Kavanaugh. He lifted that, that sword and fell on it himself, but he didn't mean it. Everyone was like, go, Lindsey. Yeah, go, Lindsey, because you spoke truth. But that's what you have to do. See, people don't realize how deeply embedded they are. I don't trust Lindsey Graham. And the fact, you know, that he told the world these things, that they're so close in, in, a, in an era where people find that, you know, how Comey and Mueller were best friends and how they hung out all the time and how they took down, uh, you know, the Bush 43 administration, right? Um, you know, people, when they see connections and so uh, close-knit teams and those that, mistr- that don't trust Mueller, which is true, um, will be furious. And, uh, they were hoping that that does happen. So that way Trump can lose his base. This is what they're doing. They're psyoping you and you don't get it. The only thing you have to do is understand that your president has got your back. He has proven nothing else to you. Our jobs as people who voted for this president is to trust that he knows exactly what he's doing because this man was not of chance. He did not throw his hat in the ring, you know, on a whim. He was selected. He was selected to run and he's been selected A very long time ago. And what you do is when you want a thorough operation, what you do is you ensure that you have all the things in place before you run. Because if you don't, then you can have mishaps, right? You can have losses. You can miss some very important information. So it's important for us to keep in mind that this president knows exactly what he's doing. And Lindsey Graham did exactly what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to make us question the president because just like you, when I heard William Barr, I was like, dude, I just published an article about him, how he was sitting with Noriega, how he's dirty, how his, you know, public profile is lying, saying he wasn't doing anything. When I can find Department of Defense documentation, putting him in China with Brennan, I can find him working for the CIA way before he was even in the scene um, and placed as attorney general. And the only reason he was put in as attorney general, as I told you, was to help perpetuate this predator perpetuate these young gangs and perpetuate the privatization of prisons so they can enslave people by sending them to jail they brought the drugs they created these low-level criminals and then they privatized prisons so that way they can round up all these criminals that were pushing their cocaine and lock them up as super predators like hillary said afterwards william Barr did that he privatized prisons He's the one that did that. So why in any right mind would the president nominate him? Trust him. Because if I was the president, I would probably nominate him too. Because remember, how many times have we said this? It's not about figuring out who the bad guy is or who the spy is. It's finding out their methods. The minute he's been nominated, that allows us to trace every single call, to find everything about him. And here's the kicker. 
if you're thinking about nominating him, you can retroactively have that in place as long as you can bonafide prove that you spoke with your cabinet and said, I'm looking at him. So you need to keep in mind that this is not chance. This is something you should trust because nothing is a coincidence. Absolutely nothing. Now, what we saw this week, and I was expecting, like I said, but I'm looking at it for next Monday. I did say someone's getting arrested or someone's getting removed. And you know how they started peddling this whole Rod Rosenstein is resigning if William Barr comes in and all this. We've heard it before. Uh, Rod Rosenstein is not going anywhere until President Trump wants him to. Unless Rosenstein decides to resign on his own, which is, hey, you know, he could resign just like the other dude did, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get your pension or I'm just saying, let's just, let's just hold our fast on that one. Now I am expecting some really serious, um, announcements and I, I I don't know, you know, everything comes out at about 2 PM Eastern time. So that should be coming anytime soon, uh, where we will see some indictments being dropped, unsealed, filed sentencing. Cause now we've got a justice department that doesn't even tell you about indictments. They just tell you straight to sentencing, which means imagine how many things they're doing and we don't know about yet. Pretty incredible, right? So on that note, uh, you know, next week we have the uh, Wednesdays with Laura. Monday, we will be covering everything that will be happening this weekend, which I know will be a lot. And Monday mornings, you know, roundup of news. And then Tuesday, I'm going to be speaking about the U.S., uh, Mexican, Californian pact. Uh, hopefully we can get Joe Poole on to talk about funding Islam in Afghanistan again and um, just parsing that apart because it's important when we discuss a document to understand the differences because President Trump can say, oh, it's nothing like NAFTA and people don't understand these differences. Uh, you know, NAFTA wasn't drafted with any intent to assist us. Uh, NAFTA was, in, uh, was not drafted with any input from us. Uh, these are all drafted and dictated by other entities that we do not elect. Um, and this is the first agreement that we have that is actually uh, in place that will help us dictate our own economy, which is great. And uh, I'll point out how Mexico is literally paying for the wall, uh, not writing a check, but it comes in other forms because, you know, you have to be really silly to think that Mexico would be like, oh, here's a check for like $5 billion. That doesn't happen anywhere. Um, and what else? So next week, I also want to talk about this growing epidemic, um, with Lutheran social services. Obviously I'm going to be talking about with Laura Loomer, but I have some breaking information. I kind of hinted it at the beginning of the show on how they funnel money and, and what's going on. Uh, we need to talk about that. We need to talk about freedom of speech and we also need to talk about dangerous candidates. And I'm just going to put an earwig on you guys for anyone listening. And you have time this weekend. I want you to Google a candidate by the name of Yang. He is very dangerous. I mentioned him in November, extremely dangerous. He is campaigning to provide universal income and he's already as part of his campaign, handing it out. The dude is Chinese. Um, he's, uh, 
business entrepreneur uh, promoting uh, to bring AI and robots in and thus giving people a universal income of $1,000 to make up for the fact that they can't get jobs because robots are replacing them. It's just a whole hot mess. His message sounds kind of cool, but it doesn't make sense on, uh, you know, on an actual implementation level. Um, so that's one. And then Ocasio-Cortez, I told you guys she was dangerous. She is extremely dangerous. I was watching the 60 Minutes. I was watching some other interviews and they're putting like this music which is on a certain key that stimulates certain feelings on your brain like this is like real psyop warfare by the mainstream media and we'll talk about that next week too for now i wish all of you a fabulous weekend it was awesome hanging out with you today as always Again, you can follow me on at Tori underscore says on Twitter and Gab. And my email, always open, Tori at Tori says.com. That's T-O-R-E at Tori says.com. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay happy and healthy. A long way from the suits in D.C. But close enough now to see this.